Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday the 19th of November 2023. Seeing as his predecessor knew even less about the sandbox than he did, at least with two of them, they had a chance to secure the beacon again and learn what it had been made for. Go on then, he said soberly, eyeing the locked TARDIS and the key. We better go in. Benji. Hello to you all, I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs. This is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast, all for the love of stories. In a few moments, Benji and I will be updating you on our latest culinary delights. Mm, after that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of The Sixth Doctor Adventures, starring Colin Baker as The Doctor, Bonnie Langford as Mel, Ruth Madeley as Hebe, and Imogen Stubbs as Professor McBride. Come and experience an attitudinal shift and an unpositivity audit. Then we go behind the scenes with the Tenth Doctor Chronicles, performed by Jacob Dudman and Defender of the Earth. The Thing in the Forest, Ooh. released this Tuesday, the 21st of November. From the, released from the forest, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, released from the forest, no less. Hello, my name is Helen Goldwyn, and I am the director of The Thing in the Forest. Then it'll be time for the return of listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Your views and questions, and this time, some questions from us to you. Mm, intrigued? Well, you should be. Also available this week on the actual 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, you may have heard of that programme, a special audio novel featuring two Doctors, two Sarah Jane Smiths and the Time Lord villain, Umika. <laughs> Which I nearly <laughs> said, Umika! Are all brought to life by multi-voiced genius narrator John Colshaw. It's The Box of Terrors by Lizzie Hopley. John Pertwee and Tom Baker, when I was growing up, they were my Doctors. You always remember your first Doctors. Following that, the Randomoids Electron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount dutifully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. And it's completely unplanned and random. So we haven't got a clue what will turn up, but Nick's going to edit in a clip from the future, so it'll all be fine. And here it is. Dr. Livingston, I presume. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week, it's The Tenth Doctor Chronicles, Defender of the Earth, The Thing in the Forest by Trevor Baxendale. Ilsa? Who are you? I told you, I'm the Doctor. I said, who are you, really? So, Benji. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. A couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it was a couple or more. Yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. We uh, we spoke about spam, <sighs> Frey Bentos pies, Ooh. and our Tindal or trapped steak, <laughs> you know, stewing steak. Lovely, um, lovely. Mm. I've still got the steak, but that evening, as Benji knows, I went out and bought some spam. I hadn't had it since I was a kid. Ooh, I thought of it as this I'm, awful I'm food. Yeah, and it was. Re- and I sent you some uh, film, film, some footage of me frying <laughs> it. I, I fried it with some fried eggs. My wife was disgusted, I, well, you know, and justifiably so. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's great, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's great. In fact, I'm going to buy some tonight. I've just decided. <laughs> You're going right down the spam route again. 
The, f- yes. the Frey Bentos pie, though. I like. I love the Frey Bentos no, pie. It was nice, but getting it open, <laughs> my my tin opener wouldn't open it. It's a pie in a tin, folks, and you take the top off and then you put it in the bottom in the oven, and then it co- cooks this big pastry hat on top of some dog meat. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's not it's dog a, meat. Sorry, Frey Pentos. It's not. It's I ate it. It was lovely. Um, I have a distinct yeah. memory of my childhood seeing, for some reason, uh, the Tesco value version of the Frey Bentos pie. And in my head, I can really remember this white, a white pie with the. Do you remember the blue stripe of the value food that they used to uh, have? Yes, I do. Like, yeah. yeah. So for some reason, just remember that, and it just said on it, pie. <laughs> some <laughs> reason. Says, Oh, well, it does what it says on the tin. Pie. Uh, um, I had to go and buy a new tin opener because our tin opener wouldn't, if you pardon the phrase, cut it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the other tin opener nearly didn't. But, you know, we just really had to persist to get it open. Steph was very helpful considering she thoroughly disapproved of the content. So I, mean, I don't think I had that the same night. But, you know, did I, I, did I send you a picture of it? You didn't sure send me I a did. picture of the pie, I don't think. Or maybe I? Oh, let me have a look. Yeah, well, there is a pie picture. <laughs> we send each other such fascinating pictures, don't we? Yeah, Nick sent me a picture yeah, of a pie. A picture of a pie. S- something um, a bit strange a about Nick of a, a, a porter. There is the pie picture. The double P. Oh, there it is. Is it in the? Yeah. Is it in the um, the group chat? I might have sent it to the the group. Yeah. But anyway, I've just sent it to you again. I found the <laughs> I found the, the the spam and I've also found you balancing some eggs precariously on the, the hob. Um yeah. let's have a look at the pie. pie. I did a whip Ooh. pan from the eggs on the hob to the yeah. Questionable choice about having pie with with rice and peas, but we don't judge here, we don't judge. Look at that. Oh, so nice. That makes me very happy. But the spam, I didn't expect to like the spam. I'm very, very happy with that. There's nothing wrong with a bit of spam. I know it's it's weird. It's weird. And it, it, and it is when you, if you think about it too much, it, it makes you feel, it makes you question it. But actually, <laughs> for what it is, why not? Just hold your nose and eat it. It's quite it's spicy. Spiced ham. Spiced ham, yes. Yeah. Spam, spiced ham, cooked it, cooked it, boiled inside the tin. So it's yeah. and it's pink because it's free of all, you no know, bacteria and nastiness and preserved, and it's it's very nice. It's full of, full of um, bleach. <laughs> well, it's not. No, it's not full of bleach. It's the chemicals. These uh, the nitrites. Yeah, I remember you told us it. about yeah, this. Yeah, that, that's that Little gives it that. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing. But you know, we're all you know the hu- half the human beings walking on this earth at the moment were were either brought up on spam or were born <laughs> with parents who were on a diet of spam. So is quite that, frankly, is that an official statistic you've got there? Yes, yes, yes. That's half from the, the sp- that's from the spamologists uh, <laughs> guide. <Yeah. laughs> but. Uh, um, Yeah. Can I just tell you a completely irrelevant thing? I don't know whether I told you I was going to do this. I've done a thing on Radio 2 called My Life in a Mixtape. Did I tell you I was going to do that? I remember you you asked me if if you should do it, and I said, Uh, absolutely do it. Well, I have done it, and I think it's on this weekend, actually. I don't know. Should we look it up? 
My Life as a Mixtape. My Life in a Mixtape. My And all it is is theme tunes. (laughs) There are quite a few theme tunes in there. BBC Radio 2. My Life in it. So Rick Astley. Oh, brilliant. the last one. Yeah, is it? There's no stranger to her. 3rd of December it, is the date that, that one comes out. Sunday the 3rd of de- December at 2 oh. o'clock is the Nicholas Briggs My Life in a Mixtape. The picture is of you, you and a Dalek, yeah. Is there really? Yeah, followed by the, no, the previous How episode. How come you're is, finding this? I can't find it. Well, you see, it's, what, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And the episode before you is Peter Davison, My Life in a Mixtape. Really? The episode before that is Bonnie Langford, My Life in a Mixtape. They're going big on Doctor Who, aren't they? They are. The episode before that, Ruth Maidley. Before that, it's uh, Sophie Aldred, Sagan so, Akinola, Janet So I'm the, la- I'm the last one. I don't know if you're the last one. Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester McCoy is the first one. Yeah. Um, and is anybody after you? Yes, you are, you, you are the, you are the last f- one. You are the last oh. one. Save the best till last. I can't find... Well, send me the link. I can't find it. All I'm getting is Andrew Garfield and um, and Rick Astley and uh, Beverly Knight and Matt. You know, I was, I was really surprised that they wanted to. Uh, oh, that's a very old picture of me, isn't it? It is. It is. I sent them a version with my head cropped, and they got quite pernickety about that. Yes, yeah, so, well, I think I'm definitely the least famous, or only non-famous person. Still a part, though. Still an integral part of it. You're meant to disagree with me. <laughs> well, well, you're the Daleks. Like I said, you're part of it. It's, but when they told me, you know, that uh, Ricky Gervais and Kiefer Sutherland had done it, I thought, why on earth are you asking me? But anyway... Yeah, but it's, it's, how can you done. not? How can you not have the Daleks when it's Doctor Who? It's like, it's, you know, I mean, it's like... Uh, it was it's great like fun to Star do that. Like the Klingons, isn't it? You know, or, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, a, and a really nice producer, Roslyn, who was who was great fun and very encouraging. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Can you give us a sneak preview of one of the songs that you've chosen? Uh, a song or a, a tune? Whatever. I mean, you, whatever. S- well, Southern Rhapsodies on there, which was the Southern. Mm. The Southern Television theme tune. Da, 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 yeah, you know the one. Uh, but the jam um, going underground. Ah, great. Yeah. yeah, great tune, that one. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And um, uh, Come Together from the Beatles. Ah, oh, nice. Great. So you know, there's a good, um, there's a bit of Dean Martin in there as well. Cool, you've you've, you've really pulled out the stops. But that's good. That's, I think that's what they want, is it? Is it not? Interest, well, it's a journey interesting... through your life. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and that's nice. Well, you can't. I mean, you know, you can't complain. I'm sure people who enjoy that. I love things like that, like Desert Island Discs. Did you know? I believe William Hartnell did a Desert Island Discs back in the day. Yeah, I think I seem to remember that. Yes. Isn't it still available? Uh, not, you know, in existence. I think, existence, I think he I chose uh, the jam going underground, actually. Yeah, that's right. He was a time yeah. traveller, so he yeah. could <laughs> go into the future. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think he, he, he died five years before that happened. Oh, yeah, I think so. I love that. My favourite thing, I've told you this before, Mark Bolin on his The Mark Bolin Show. But can we have a quick Mark Bolin singing? 
If you ever see a woman driving <laughs> into New York City, the singing man's just joined in. He's joined the he's joined T Rex. It's the new T Rex. <laughs> but I always love on Mark Boland's show when it was like one of the really early performances of the Jam playing, uh-huh. and he says, "Yeah, this next band is uh, they're really hot. They're really great. Their name is Jam." <laughs> <laughs> And I just love this idea of this conversation before, like, uh, yeah, we're uh, we're called the we're called the Jam, right? Yeah, Jam, Jam. No, no, the Jam. Mm, yeah, cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah, real smooth. Yeah, Jam, everybody, Jam. Um, it always makes me laugh every time. That's a great series. It's uh, lots of. It's basically Mark Boland does Top of the Pops. Yes, and, he, I and half of it, it is just him doing garish dancing with a bunch of very scantily clad ladies. But of course, the, it was the, a children's program as well, wasn't it? It was a children's program. But the best bit, the best bit, is the yes. final performance that he gives, where Mark Boland does a duet with David Bowie, and oh, uh, yeah. you think it's all fantastic. And then as the credits are rolling, Mark Boland falls off stage. <laughs> David Bowie just stops, stops, and just starts laughing. <laughs> <It's> really, <laughs> and all the music just, oh, it's terrible. Of course, that's the last thing Mark did. He, he sadly died very, very oh. soon after that. So it's real bittersweet. I have it a photo is? of it on my wall, actually. A huge really? picture of David Bowie and Mark Boland from that shoot, yeah. Wow. Uh, so that's that's sorry I just started going on about Mark Boland but yeah well, why not jam, I was going jam. on about my life in a mixtape so my life in a mixtape is uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of jam um, <laughs> and marmalade plum jam strawberry jam my favourite thing just quickly was this uh, I had this great conversation I was driving to a hospital with my friend and we were talking about Mark Boland we were trying to envision what he would be like now, you know, and we said that he'd look, he'd have long grey hair and he'd be on Radio 2 and he'd probably be a vegan and, uh, he'd, but he'd be, but he'd love, I don't know new, why I'm laughing at that. He'd love new music, you know, he'd be really into that. And we said, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd be sort of saying, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I sort of, I, I like to think I look a bit like an old wizard, really, you know. And, um, and we were laughing about this. Then when we got to the hospital, we were walking in. There's this mm. man who walked out of the hospital with long grey hair. Good Lord. And when he came out of there, and he, he turned to the woman he was with and he went, oh, it's actually a bit chilly out here, isn't it? <laughs> and he sounded like Mark Boland. And we both, without without any prompting, just burst into hysterics. Because it was just such, <laughs> it was just the most perfect thing. So, yeah, I've, I've, I've met Mark Boland. I, yeah. I, I think I can say that. Reincarnated. I've, I've yeah, met Mark yeah, Boland. Absolutely, yeah, that's true. I thought he was reincarnated as my cat. Anyway, sorry. Yes. Yeah, well, I hope so. Um, Bamboo Bowlin. Um, <laughs> right now, of course, it's time for the Good Review Guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. I emphasise the, f- I, I the finish there as opposed to Big Finish. But anyway, make of that what you will. I will. And as promised this week, we're looking at the sixth Doctor Adventures Purity Undreamed From Big Finish Productions Doctor Who The Sixth Doctor Adventures Purity Undreamed Professor Patricia McBride Anthropology Come and experience an attitudinal shift and an unpositivity audit She's one of the biggest stars on campus the renowned and celebrated anthropologist Oh dear is she the kind of person we want to be talking to? 
I sense a great unpositivity in her. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I don't think I care for her very much at all. Why not undergo a lifestyle realignment? Being snappy and sarcastic are among my most endearing features. You have to be nicer and kinder. No, I don't. Don't be afraid not to think. Don't fear your feelings. Allow me to present to you the Betterment Machine. Switch off your busy mind. Experience your true self. Neanderthals. A whole family group of Neanderthals. Mel, Kibi, my dear Professor McBride, welcome to Sheffield. 2569. The time is now. Return, my gentry. Return to the universe. Oh, look. Some pictures of flowers and kittens. Big finish for the love of stories. Oh, I just noticed that the hyphenation is on. Get off. Hyphen. Just go to bigfinish.com and type undreamed into the search pane at the top to find this one. And that's just what Jacob Licklider did. Uh, IndieMacUser.com. Uh, it manages to set up what may become one of the greatest story arcs from Big Finish uh, with an interesting villain at the heart of it. And that is eight out of ten. Nice one. Uh, Bray Silas, Silence, I can't say the word. Bray Silas. Bray, Bray Silas, who's he? Silas Carson, who does the Ood voice. Uh, silence for Peter Nolan, writing for blogtohu.com. Peter, who is uh, sublimely oblivious to his uh, notoriety uh, here on the podcast for his little-known TV career. Did, have you found any more interesting facts about uh, Peter Nolan's uh, long-lost TV career? Yeah, um, I, I actually found a, a very short clip of a documentary that he did a few years yeah. ago. It was just called Periscope. Um, <laughs> and it was him on this very small submarine. Um, it was a director video documentary. <laughs> he lost it. Um, <laughs> it's exactly the type of thing, though, isn't it, that he would do? Just <laughs> I've become hysterical. <laughs> well, we'll have to have to look out for that. Look out for that. <laughs> right. Well, Peter says <laughs> Periscope. Periscope. Let's hope there's no jam on oh, the periscope. It's actually a bit chilly. Um, <laughs> periscope. Uh, with a wizard in a submarine <laughs> eating jam and spam. Um, it all leads to a stunning cliffhanger that thoroughly blindsided Blog to Who. It's an ending that hints that with these new sixth Doctor adventures, Raina and her team have cunningly led the audience unwittingly into the spiritual successor of Stranded. The Hebe era is proving to be much more than just assorted adventures with a new Big Finish companion. Rather, this is shaping up to be a series with deeper, more important things to say than typical Doctor Who. 
And with those messages being delivered with such passion and style by both cast and crew, it's shaping up to be the most exciting area, area, inner ear, for the sixth Doctor since the days of Evelyn Smythe. Oh, good old Maggie Stables. Uh, Indeed, the only negative is that leaving us waiting until next year for Volume 3 seems downright cruel and unusual. I think it is quite usual. But that's a lovely review. I hope Jack Rayner saw that, the producer and script editor. Uh, she's done such brilliant work on this. Congratulations to Jack. Well, we've got one more here from Razor Devro, scifipulse.net. Uh, Doctor Who, the sixth... Doctor Adventures Purity Undreamed was an excellent continuation of Hebe's arc. This time, the writers gave the story a Pertwee-era rhythm. That Mm is 9.5 out of 10. Nice. Uh, And on social media, Doctor909, great stuff. The expansion of the trio to a team is great as it really strengthens on all characterisation and allows some great character developments. Stories are great and what a cliffhanger! Exclamation mark. Can't wait for volume three. Well, you had to. Uh, Next week, there will be more reviews as we take a look at Doctor Who, the ninth Doctor Adventures, Periscope. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, In... Jam. Uh, into the stars. Into the stars, stars, stars. Coming up soon, the box of terrors, the randomoid selectron, and a 15-minute drama tease of The Thing in the Forest. <laughs> but before that, let's go behind the scenes with that adventure. The first episode in the 10th Doctor Chronicles, Defender of the Earth. Recorded way, 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 way back during the COVID pandemic lockdown. Yes, it's interesting. You'll hear Helen Goldwyn talking about how it's all very new. And I think it was even before we were using Clean Feed. I think Ooh, they were using blimey. Zoom. Gosh, back in the day. Yeah. Seems like a, a bad dream, doesn't it? The whole thing. Hello, my name is Helen Goldwyn and I am the director of The Thing in the Forest. Who are you, by the way? You can call me Ilsa. What should I call you? The Doctor. You and your code names. Come on, this way, Doctor. We have much to do. Well, obviously, we're working in a very different way at the moment, and I'm sure you'll hear lots of people talking about uh, this phase in the life of Big Finish where we are in lockdown. So we've been recording remotely, and this is the first series that I have directed in this way. But actually, it, it works incredibly well. We did have a few technical glitches at first, mostly because Jake was having to stop uh, because he's living in a house with other people and they want to move around. <laughs> so although people have got their makeshift studios and everyone's got the sound proofing and the noise absorption sort of foam on the walls you still are going to hear the noises externally because it's not a designated studio it's it's a cupboard under the stairs in some cases so uh, yeah that's been a little bit tricky it means that we're taking slightly longer but in terms of how it works for me as a director it's actually been lovely being able to see the actors because when we're in the studio I can only hear them or I can see a little bit of their elbow or something if if we're at the moat or the tip of their nose but now I can see Jake acting and and doing the physical movement that he needs to do to produce these different voices and it's actually very helpful for me. It's been quite a while since I did any Doctor Who for Big Finish so uh, it was great to have this chance to do one of the 10th Doctor Chronicles I think Scott Hancock asked me because he thought that my experience in writing prose for Doctor Who would be useful. It's quite an interesting challenge writing something that's prose but also with script elements. They're 
two completely different ways of writing and approaching the material. And it was tricky getting the balance right at first because I haven't done anything like this for quite a while. Uh, the last one I did was for Highlander and uh, I think that turned out quite well, but it was a very long time ago. In The Thing in the Forest, there was much more emphasis on the dialogue sections, uh, which is great because uh, I do love the script writing. Hello, I'm Jacob Dudman and I am the narrator of The Tenth Doctor Chronicles. I'm glad I got to get another stab at it because we recorded these like three years ago and, and before recording this episode I actually went back and listened to some of them for reference and and my voice is so different or I feel it is anyway and I feel like it's matured a bit and I think that my tenants got a bit better so so I'm hoping this box set can be even better than the last. A while back I did some Tenth Doctor novels and uh, so it was great to have a chance to revisit the character now in the new series Chronicles. The way uh, the Doctor speaks, uh, his reactions and his preoccupations, they come to life on the page really easily. And uh, it's, it's no effort really to imagine him lost in a dark forest, dodging German patrols uh, whilst a ravenous monster tries to track him down as he's convincing Ilse he's not the enemy. Another reason I like this episode is that it has a relatively small range of voices for me to do, which is always nice. I always joke with Helen, uh, she wrote episode one of volume one of this box set. And uh, and I, I always joke with her about how I remember getting the, the cover page for it. And there were about 20 voices for me to do, which is also fun. And, and I love the challenge, but... It's nice that we could ease our way into this box set recording from home with a nice little little easy one because the narrating is uh, is quite taxing sometimes. And I know that's me just complaining, but, you know, with the other ones where there isn't a narrator, I think it's the flitting between and also Tennant's voice. I think it maybe just is, is his uh, resonance in my throat can be quite tiring. But I love it. I really do. And I'm over the moon that we were able to do a volume two because, I mean, volume one was amazing. Being able to do that was incredible. So to be invited back was just, you know, a privilege, really. Um, and I genuinely think what we did with the first one was was really good. Uh, the Tenth Doctor has a way of being both endearingly cocky and then uh, suddenly quite vulnerable. So there's always lots to play with. And it's nice to bring that side of the character out in the dialogue, uh, as well as the prose, uh, which is something new for me for the Tenth Doctor. World War II stories don't focus on the conflict in Norway very often, and that's one of the reasons why I chose it as a location for mine, as well as the fact that there's lots of forests and some great mythology, and therefore plenty of scope for writing characters and situations set in the Second World War, but away from the the more traditional, more commonly used hotspots. My name is Camilla Arvidsson and I'm playing Ilse Johansson. I'm half Swedish, so I've been brought up with lots of Scandinavian relatives and uh, my parents are both half Swedish and speak half Swedish to each other and I've been to Sweden a lot. But so I think I've based her on my, I think my aunt, who's a marine biologist and she lives in Gothenburg so I sort of based it a little bit on her but there are lots of different sort of I think she's very much a sort of heroine isn't she she's 
gone through a lot of uh, a hard time and uh, she's a re- resistance fighter and she's obviously got her head screwed on and she's a clever girl, isn't she? And she's clearly very brave and determined. So I also sort of thought of lots of Nordic dramas and the character from The Bridge, the main character in The Bridge, I thought of her. Yeah, and that, just, that kind of earnest, get the job done attitude, which is very Scandinavian, I'm sort of very familiar with, I think just growing up with it and knowing it really well, being very familiar with it. My mother's a bit like that as well. Now, working with Camilla, this is her first time working with Big Finish, and uh, we were really lucky to catch her because we're in lockdown. We've got a whole pool of, of really busy actors who we probably wouldn't normally get, get hold of because they're so in demand. And Camilla is a vastly experienced TV and, and film actress, uh, currently living out in LA. So, <laughs> you know, we were really lucky to pin her down. Obviously, we had to do quite a late afternoon recording to fit in with with the time difference and she was just delightful and so thrilled to be a part of it and excited about being in a doctor who just go to bigfinish.com and type defender into the search pane at the top to find this one you won't find a land rover but you will find this release uh-huh. and remember that this is out this tuesday the 21st of november meanwhile it's let's no no not like that not like that. Um, like this. Uh, that's right. Send your emails in a podcast to bigfinish.com and we'll fax them to you, whatever that means. First up, Zed Alpha says, uh, it's actually Stuart, but it sounds much better with the email hand saying Zed Alpha. Yeah. Happy Hooniversary, Mick and Benji. Mick. Mick, yeah. Michael Briggs. <laughs> that's like, your, that's like your, your inferno inferno uh, opposite where's an eye patch has a scar yeah. clean shaven mm. yeah, it's all there it's all there Mick Briggs <laughs> stand to attention when you speak to me god no please no no stop it stop it uh no talking at the back um just uh, finished listening to your audacity release and i just wanted to thank you uh for what is now my favorite cyberman story in a long time uh, not only did i love the way it slotted neatly into what we know about the cyber war but we also got the return of the cyber nomads uh, as the revenge of the cybermen models are sometimes known not by me uh, not by me no um i just call them the cybermen with flares um i can only <laughs> hope that you bring them back again sometime nick's portrayal was great and i can't wait to hear more from audacity in the future a splendid introduction to a new companion uh, i can't recommend this one enough to my fellow podcast listeners and i hope that they snap it up too um, I was wondering, Nick, though, uh, yeah, if yes. you don't mind my asking, oh, if right. you were to bring the rarely seen Weird in Space Sidemen back, how would you choose to voice them? Just curious. Much you regards as always, Stuart. Dreadful voices, those ones, aren't they? They're, ba- yes. they're barely, barely, uh, you can barely understand them for the most part. You know our ways. I did them for the Weird in Space uh, BBC audiobook of wheel in space i bet, <laughs> I, I, bet you, space I bet they could probably understand you more than they could the original you know our ways i think our new thinking of the cyber planner that was difficult to understand that was that was dr- that was difficult yeah the well time, that was yeah. done with the you know the electro larynx uh, which is always always a difficult one to understand I think that those are the much better voices. I love those, the particular, you know, the Moonbase, Tomb of the Cybermen, Cybermen are my favourite Yeah, but that's, that's how the planner... Not 
now the planner wants done in the wheel in space. Benji won't have heard that because uh, Zoom would have cut it I did it hear out. it. I did oh, hear it. Did? Oh. I did hear it, yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. Makes me so happy. <laughs> but yeah, it was a ring modulation effect on... Uh, uh, and they were doing the same delivery as the um, electrolarynx ones, that kind of thing. But it was just through a ring modulator. So, you know our ways. It was sort of, yeah. And they just nodded all the time. They just they? sort of wiggled around. And yeah. It was, yeah, it's an interesting one, the wheel in space. I, th- I think it's, it's one of those ones where I, I would love to watch it in its entirety. Obviously, I've heard it, you know, and I've seen the... Yeah, I've watched it with the photo reconstruction and all that. I quite... I, that's what was on BritBox for ages. I don't know whether it's like that on BBC iPlayer. No, Those I of you who don't know that actually. Doctor Who has gone to the BBC's iPlayer in, in the uh, the UK. Hmm. Well worth I, a go. I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned this a billion times before, but... You are aware that The Wheel in Space was the story that introduced the Doctor having the pseudonym John Smith. Yes. Uh, yes, it was. You're quite mm. right. And people often think that it was actually... Um, John Pertwee. John Pertwee yeah. and Spearhead. Yeah. There's, no, a, lot, came... there's a lot of stuff that, that you know, that, that late era Troughton introduced to it all. You know, well, not just Sonic obviously... Screwdriver, yeah. Sonic Screwdriver, the Time Lords, all that business. You know, it's a lot to, that's... A lot of uh, ideas going around there, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's true. Of course, the best thing about the Wheel in Space is just all of the the great sound effects and noises and weird weird audio. That's that's what it's all about. Well, that's uh, yeah. Brian Hodgson did a, a sort of score for it with just weird sounds. Wah, as wah, wah, to wah, music. Wah, wah, wah. Very good. Oh, well, next up, here's a real corker from Daniel Hughes, BBC News. <laughs> He's not from BBC News. Uh, happy 60th birthday to Doctor Who. Well, of course, that is happening this week. Hello. Hello, Nick and Benji. And incidentally, a happy 60th birthday to Doctor Who. To all of you at home, which is his uh, version of what William Hartnell did at the end of the... Well, not at the end of the Daleks Master Plan, but in one of the episodes. I can't remember which one now. I can hear Stephen Noonan screaming the answer <laughs> across the time barrier. Your recent discussion about the Star Beast has prompted me to revisit some of the early Big Finish releases, particularly some of the early ones that you've done as exclusives for Doctor Who magazine. The Ratings War, as well as Last of the Titans, No Place Like Home, Living Legend and The Revenants remains some of my personal favourites. Uh, would you consider doing another DWM exclusive? As it's been a while since you last did one. Uh, do you know... I don't think that Doctor Who magazine want those anymore. And it's um, and I think that uh, their circulation is so high now; it would be a vast cost to press uh, CDs for them. Yeah, you never see CDs given away with stuff. No, and no one wants CDs. But I mean, we could. Um, sorry, that's a terrible generalisation. I can hear people screaming now. Um, sorry, downloads. Yeah, we have done a download thing for them in the past, so I'd certainly consider that. Yeah. Uh, and if you could adapt any TV story of your choice as a big finish story, what would you choose? What, Benji, what do you think? Great question. I've got two that come to mind. Yeah. First would be The Daleks, just because oh. um, I, I, I almost feel like I've already actually done that, but only because 
um, when I got the opportunity to properly do Dalek corridors and stuff. And I've spent a lot mm. of time as well getting a lot of the sound effects and remaking them from that early, that story. So I feel mm. like I've already done that. The other one I would love to do would be uh, The Web of Fear. I think that would be so fun to sound design, all the the underground and all that, yeah. that beautiful, you know, all the, the Yeti stuff. Abominable Snowmen actually would be a really great, great um, yeah. story to do as well. That's good. Yeah, obviously with me it'd be Delta and the Bannerman. I'm just kidding. Um, it'd be uh, Evil of the Daleks. Evil of the Daleks would be great. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That'd be that'd be fantastic. That's my answer to almost every question about Doctor Who: Evil of the Daleks. I mean, I quite like it. Not that we'd ever do, but I would love to do. Um, you know, like like we have the classic Doctor's New Monsters. I'd like to have, um, you know, Doctor's new you know doctors with old uh, different stories with different doctors i suppose is how you'd say it i think that'd be a really fun thing that'd make people's minds explode and mine's yes. already fizzing frazzled to destruction frazzled of that uh, many thanks to yourselves for creating doctor who stories continues daniels daniel uh, both originals and adaptations and looking forward to many more uh and let's start the countdown to the 70th anniversary. Kind regards, Daniel Hughes. I did actually speak to John Ainsworth, the senior producer, about you know what we'd be thinking of to do for the 70th anniversary and, and whether either of us would still be alive. The 70th? God, that, that sounds... Somehow, somehow the, the 60th anniversary feels and sounds fine, but the 70th anniversary just sounds ancient, doesn't it? Well, you know, when we were doing the 50th anniversary, people were saying, well, what are you going to do for the 60th? And we thought, oh, yeah, actually, what are we going to do? <laughs> I think we started thinking about it, you know, five years in advance. David Richardson, the then senior producer, brought it up. And, and as some of you probably realise, uh, a lot of Once and Future... Uh, was recorded at least two years ago, possibly longer ago. So, you know, the plan has been around for a while. I got a release in the post this morning and I thought, I, I saw, I thought, I don't even remember working on that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know, that goes to show, doesn't it? The things from Arr, that. It Arr. certainly does. Arr. But we got one more email here from uh, Simon Koshalka, um, which actually handily says here, pronounced Koshalka. Um, no, um, I put that in. Oh, you put that in. Oh, okay. Well, even even so, lovely little bit of Doctor <laughs> Who there. Uh, in in the return of the in conversation range, uh, dear Nick and Benji, or venerable guest. For a second, I nearly read that out as vegetable guest. <laughs> yes, we've got uh, a carrot this week. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes, we're very interesting. In Next week, join us with uh, the King Edward potato. <laughs> that you see, that's what I would love. I'd love you know. Colin Baker in conversation with a carrot. I think that would sell. Um, uh, Simon here. I just. Hello, Simon. I hope this email finds you well, and I hope Nick's shed is well heated during the winter. Oh yeah, I've got the radiator on. Oh yeah, I've got the radiator on, and I'm wearing a. I'm wearing a dressing gown. There we go. Good. Think, good. think when you think of me, think of Jackie Tyler. Um, I <laughs> recently purchased two in conversation box sets, both Tom Baker at eighty and I Jacoby, Jacoby. Uh, were superbly conducted interviews, and I was wondering if there are any plans to continue the range. Um, I also loved was it Call Me Jacks? That was great. Um, yeah. Uh, and the Colin Baker one, actually, as well. Yeah. Uh, if so, could I perhaps suggest Sylvester McCoy, as he is a really good storyteller, yeah. and I'm sure he'd enjoy some tomfoolery during the interview. 
um, Manny, uh, Ace. Um, that was me doing Remembrance of the Daleks. I saw um, I saw Sylvester. He was at the uh, the Star Beast screening I went to. Yeah. There's something about Sylvester. He he just emanates rock star energy, doesn't he? He's Wherever just he goes, he's I had just a fantastic chat with him. Yeah. He's a real cool cat. I still I still love my my favorite memory of him is just him coming up to me and just you know in the studio and just saying yes saving the day it's another day of saving the day of course if you're not here tomorrow then I suppose I failed <laughs> just wandered <laughs> off I was like gosh amazing um, we were having we were banging on about you know uh, getting buying tents for homeless people when uh, it was said that living in tents on the street is a lifestyle oh. choice by one of our prominent prominent recently sacked um, politicians. <laughs> I think that they should replace all the tents with caravans. That would <laughs> wind them up. Uh, anyway, uh, I hope Doctor Who November is treating you well and keep doing what you're doing. The newest War Master range was excellent. Excellent! Um, kind regards, Simon Kashalka. Yeah, there you go. So yes, it was Simon who wrote the pronunciation thing, but I just transposed it to the top of the Interv- the interview so the top of the email so that you would you know no you're you're a but, true but hero. now we've now we've over explained it it's over the pudding it. nick it's, it's, um, you, yeah. it's just it's, it's too it's much spam too much spam yes very yes. awesome. oh look before we leave listeners emails behind this week here's some questions for you to ponder i felt we needed to ask you something to pique your interest so i asked karen tucker parks who's the kind person at big finish who sends the emails to me from you i love these questions so have a think of these and feel free to answer any of them and the implications arising uh, what are your most what are you most looking forward to uh, what or what have you most enjoyed so far read the 60th anniversary celebrations uh, celebration programming at bbc and non-bbc but licensed yes yeah. uh what are you hoping for re the upcoming david tennant tv special as well i think one of them will have already been out by the time we get to the the, yeah, next, the star piece so. will have aired by the time we get to next week's podcast uh what big finish releases have you used to introduce friends to big finish productions good question why don't you listen to this this is good sort of thing be really interested to know about that uh, do you have any christmas traditions which involve a big finish production a particular one or us Ooh. in general would you like to see a big finish doctor who thanksgiving themed story assuming we haven't done one already i don't think we have done one that's mainly for our american friends but yeah what do you think there's some great questions there yeah, i think it'd good. be really interesting to hear people's perspectives as we enter the christmas period yeah be lovely to hear from you about all those uh, so please do let us have your answers to any some or all of those questions on any other topic you think it's worth bringing up as well uh, we can't wait to hear from you and don't forget send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com Don't forget that we have a drama tease of the Tenth Doctor Chronicles and the Randomoid Selectatron coming up. In the meantime, does the date, the 23rd of November, mean anything to any of you? Oof, I don't mm, know. I don't to celebrate know, that special yeah. day <laughs> for Doctor Who fans everywhere, we're releasing an extra special Doctor Who audio novel, The Box of Terrors. Let's find out all about it. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of Doctor Who, the audio novels. Hello, I'm Lizzie Hopley and I wrote The Box of Terrors. Hello there, this is John Coleshaw and I am the narrator. 
Hello, I'm Roland Moore, and I'm the script editor on the Doctor Who audio novels. Seeing as his predecessor knew even less about the sandbox than he did, at least with two of them, they had a chance to secure the beacon again and learn what it had been made for. Go on, then, he said soberly, eyeing the locked TARDIS and the key. We'd better go in, and I'll tell you everything I know. And this one had a... a an unusual genesis really um it just came out of chatting to john colshaw um who's who loves doctor who he's he's, he's a huge fan as well as a, a brilliant actor at big finish and um he just was interested in the idea of us doing a third and fourth doctor story to coincide with the 60th anniversary. You know, the start of this was um, my idea, yes. Um, I remember just emailing David Richardson one day and just saying, um, the third Doctor and the fourth Doctor, they've never worked together. I, sp I suppose the fourth Doctor has always worked pretty independently. But um, John Pertwee and Tom Baker, when I was growing up, they were my Doctors. You always remember your first Doctors. So it's always been in my imagination somewhere, just wondering how would they interact? How would that be? These towering, very profound characters. How would they harmonise? How would they clash? What would go on? How about a story like that? And maybe bring in some cataclysmic villains as well. Uh, Omega and Sutek were first suggested. I think there were some rights issues with Sutek. I think he was a bit too far away on his base on Mars, we couldn't get to him. But this always leads to um, wonderful opportunities. And the six came in, the cataclysmic chaos and malevolence of the six. Um, my goodness me, the, the, the terrifying, um, the terrifying cataclysmic disorder that he brings. Can even Omega contain him anyway? So, uh, so yes, it was, um, it was an idea that I, I first suggested and emailed it to um, to David. And we said, yes, who's going to write it? And then <laughs> Lizzie Hopley Everyone else in. is unavailable. <laughs> no, you, you, you were the first choice, yeah. I'll have you know. Yay. Yeah, you yeah. were, Lizzie. So uh, tell us about that, Lizzie. What, what brief did we give you? Roland, do you remember the brief? I think it was quite a loose brief. Um, but quite, probably quite an intimidating one because it was a meeting with the third and fourth doctors who, to my knowledge, haven't met that much in sort of various spin-off media and basically a free reign to sort of do what you wanted within that. I think that's right, is it? Yes, is it? and it, it seemed to appear quite timely for me because I'd been set up to write an audio few before David and that's a actually turned into a script due to sudden actor availability and I'd also turned another script and it was like the opposite had happened with something else so I turned a script that I'd written into an audio um, but these were obviously shorter so I'd been excited by those and it was a bit of a return to prose for me um, and then you approach with this and it was just so timely because I had the time and it was so exciting to be an idea that come from you and, and John I couldn't say no, I couldn't turn it down. I'm very, very grateful to have been um, granted uh, a little bit of uh, extra involvement in this story. When uh, David said that Lizzie Hopley was going to 
write it. I was just over the moon. I, I just knew that she would create a beautiful, multi-layered epic. And of course, these things fire your imagination. And it, it just sparked all sorts of other little moments in my imagination. And I'm not changing the story at all, but little just pockets of, uh, of interaction that the story inspires. Little things that uh, the third and fourth doctors can say to each other. Um, how this affected the longer malevolent ambitions of the master, the level of Omega's true powers, all these little things. And um, I'm very, very grateful that, um, that the team, uh, Lizzie and David and Roland, just allowed me uh, a little bit of license to add my own little sprinklings of nutmeg here and there. But my, oh my, it's, um, it's a very, very exciting story. It's a creature of antimatter. Created by one of the most dangerous entities in the universe. Sarah Jane frowned, and he read her mind instantly. No, not the master, he said swiftly. Oh, believe me, he is part of this. Yes, I know it. But no. No, we are facing someone far more dangerous. An entity I thought I had trapped forever. Three days of recording for this story. Fabulous to immense in this world. I'm in um, sort of playing a, a home game, really, in terms of narration, here at uh, Ladbroke Audio in, uh, in Croydon. And it's a very cosy room. I'm, I'm speaking from it now. Uh, it's very, very cosy. It's very familiar. It's silvered, softly lit. It's almost like um, a room you might have inside the International Space Station. There's a, a huge balsa wood TARDIS in front of the wall here and just to immerse, it's very good for concentrating in. So Neil Gardner in the control room there, checking everything's going alright, checking sure I'm not yelling too much and busting the microphone, doing Omega and the Six and all of the characters um, so yes, it's also a very, it's also a wonderful space for the Roger Delgado Master I am the Master and you will obey me just go to bigfinish.com and type Box of Terrors Box into the search terrors. pane at the top to find this rather lovely celebration of Doctor Who, available from that magical day this Thursday, the 23rd of November. Ah, what will you be doing on the anniversary of Doctor Who, Benji? Well, actually, I'll, I'll be doing sound effects for a, a, a local uh, play, so, there's, so so I won't be able to watch it um, when it's actually on. But no, my plan is to... Um, is to is to watch it quite frankly um every day for me is a celebration of doctor who i love watching classic doctor who and bits and yeah. bobs but uh, i'm particularly excited to watch it this time round because my as i've mentioned before my uh my living room has got all kinds of all the lights are synced up to the tv i've got surround sound it's going to be a really uh a real b grand experience so I'm, I'm looking forward to that how about yourself nick Oh yeah, obviously. Um, well, it's it, on the anniversary day. The special is not. It's not not on until the Saturday. But I think the the colorized Daleks uh, is on. Oh gosh, BBC I'll be watching. Four. Yeah, I'll be yeah. watching that. Yes, you're. Yes, you're quite right. Yeah, the twenty third. My voice is in it, and I haven't heard my voice in it. I only heard the version before they put my voice on it. So that's so you're going to be yeah. In fact, on the twenty third, I'm not actually doing anything, so I will be watching that. Is the answer? So I thought it was top secret that I was in it because no one's been mentioning it at all. And then <laughs> Ben Cook, who did the editing, sent me the uh, 
a, a screen grab of uh, no not a screen grab a photo of of the page in Doctor Who magazine where it listed me in the credits oh, thought, oh right okay I can tell people because I was worried that it was a secret so you're a bit but of a no. time traveller actually you've, you've gone back in that's time that's what everyone said when I put it on Facebook <laughs> everyone made the time travel joke yeah I think Chris Naylor you know who plays Harry Sullivan for us I said uh, I I'll just join his in as the sort of 300th person who's made the time travel joke. I said, yes, very good. I never anticipated that people would do that. I thought people might say, congratulations, but nobody did. They all said, oh, are you time traveling? Well, I think it's fun. I think it's, it's, I think it's a lovely thing to do and quite a nice sort of full circle thing for you as well to kind of, well, you know, great. Yeah. be able to do that thing yeah. now. You get to see your name in, in that great font at the end. Hopefully, which I, is slightly wobbly, you know, not your name. I mean, just the font. The, the, the I don't think they're doing credits like that at the end. Oh, disappointing. But disappointing. I, I, well, I know something that you don't. And I can't spoil it because I've signed an NDA. Oh, I can't say I've signed an NDA. That breaks the NDA. Oh, you no. Oh, God. Cancelled, cancelled, cancelled. It does look fantastic, though. The screen grabs that I've seen of the colorization, it looks so, it looks beautiful. It looks so. Um, so bold as well. So colourful. Technicolor, Technicolor. Um, so yeah, I'm, so that's what I'll be, I'll be watching a bit of that. I'm just trying to think which Doctor Who story I'm in the middle of watching at the moment. It might, <laughs> it might be Death to the Daleks again. Who can blame you, quite frankly? Yeah. And I've been watching the you? Master Plan episodes that are on BBC iPlayer too. That's been quite nice. I'm currently halfway through the Tenth Planet. Oh, uh, and of course, are always- you? Yes, I am. Why should I care? Care? I am most surprised by the chef from Faulty Towers appearing in the episode. <laughs> Every time I do, oh, it's, I keep expecting him to go, Manuel, um, and grab a bottle of wine. Yes, he's um, a sort of UN person or something, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Sitting there in some really awful set. But yeah, it's it's. I, I know that everybody everybody loves it, but I do think it's a pretty naff story. Yeah, um, it's a bit it's, of a shambles, isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit of a shambles. But but what I do like is basically any time the Cybermen are on screen, it's good, and any time yeah. there's snow, that is good. But most of it is, you know, it's a bit like the moon base, isn't it? It's just lots of people sitting around talking about things until good things happen. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. going it's on about true. the weather. Um, yes, it's uh, you just imagine, you know, and I love the way Roy Skelton invented that way of speaking. Uh, and then the next time they did the Cyberman, they thought, well, I'm not doing that. It's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, it does strike me as it does seem ridiculous, but at the same time, I it is it. terrifying. There's yeah. something quite creepy about it and something quite creepy as well about the way that they, uh, you know, they, act, they open their mouths. And it's just it's not very yes. nice, is it, really? It's not nice. It's, it's not, not nice. nice. It's not no, nice at no. all. Uh, of course, the great moment there is uh, the return of the chop, where the uh, the Cybermen whack somebody on the neck and incapacitate them. Every time, if there's like a, a lamb chop. No, no, no. Yes, that too. The Cybermen. We are powered by lamb chops. They open <laughs> their chest unit to see it's like a, a little sort of barbecue in there. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've gone mad. Um, let's let's stop going mad and open up. The next part of the podcast, it's the Random Point Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. 
care. Why should I care? Care. That's the how. That's how you get primed into doing the voices. You have to just care. care. No. Care. Why should I care? Um, <laughs> we are. No, stop it. Um, uh, actually, this is free anyway, um, and it's popped up. Always like to mention it because I think it's relevant. Toby Haydock's Who's Round number one four nine. Russell T Davies. So oh, wow. that's well worth a listen. Get yourself in the mood for the return of Russell. Uh, you can listen to the fantastic Toby Haydock. He's dotted around all over this anniversary doing stuff on the radio. So look out for him. Uh, but but anyway, we can't give you a discount on that. So what? Hit hit ran again. Another free story has just popped up, all-consuming fire with a picture of you. Um, I think that's actually only the first episode of free, so maybe you can get the whole thing on discount. It's you as Sherlock Holmes, no less. Oh, right, Sherlock Holmes. What was it? Uh, all-consuming fire. Okay, well, but let's do all-consuming fire, the whole story, then. That seems reasonable. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, here's the trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, all-consuming fire. How do I begin to tell you about the adventure of the all-consuming fire? How can it be so hot in here? <laughs> A case like no other began like no other. This is the Orient Express! Observe the crest. Crest? Ow! Oh! Indeed. Our services are about to be retained by none other than the Pope. The mystery of the missing library books? It seems absurd. They are no ordinary books, Watson, and the Library of St. John the Beheaded is no ordinary library. The intricate mystery stretched beyond those icy peaks. In the weeks to come, it would lead to Bombay. Aha! Dr. Livingston, I presume. Doctor! Doctor, I presume. What do you think of India, then? Earth in the 19th century is the most alien place I've ever seen. I've always had a soft spot for it. It showcases humanity at its best and at its worst. But even distant Bombay was no more than a stone's throw by comparison to our ultimate destination. It's all starting to fall into place, isn't it? The desolate, nightmarish world of Riley. Welcome to Riley. Sorry it's a bit... Uh, a bit of a dump. Uh-huh. Naturally, some details are altered, but never to make them more strange. Quite the reverse. Roast them to ashes. Leave nothing but dust. Roast us to ashes? Move! Watson, the game is afoot. Big finish. We love stories. So this is um, uh, uh, from the uh, novel by Andy Lane, which is highly regarded and it was adapted by Guy Adams a brilliant writer too and uh, oh yes and it's got Hugh Fraser in it as well oh Captain so it has Sherlock Holmes in it so it's me as Sherlock Holmes with um, jolly old Sylvester McCoy Sylvester, Sophie and Lisa Bowman in there as well so you've got a bit of everybody there of course Richard Earle is in playing Dr. Watson um, and um, Guy Adams himself is playing whatever the name of that character is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And uh, Hugh Fraser plays Sheringford Holmes. What a wonderful yeah. name that is, Sheringford. Michael Griffiths as Ambrose. And it was directed by Scott Hancock, uh, yeah. Alistair Locke on music and sound duties, uh, Kevin Scott producing. So there we go. Well Goodness worth a, Well Jim. worth a go. 
Yeah, lovely, lovely. Um, well, while I email Jackie Emery, the content manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection so that she can get the offer set live on the bigfinish.com website, Benji, can you explain how listeners can get their discount in as celebratory a way as possible? Care? No, why should I celebrate? Um, you are, I mean, I, you know, get your party poppers out, get your funny hats on. We're doing bigfinish.com. Hey. Go to bigfinish.com and then head to the podcast page. I sound like I sound like type of people that I would want to thump. Um, and you sound then a little you bit like podcast, Chris Tarrant, yes. Okay, everybody, welcome. To, go to go to the podcast page for Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Okay, so we've got on line one. You click read more. Once you click read more, it's, it's actually very great. You head over to here. Just <laughs> click here and enter the code buck up, and you might be a millionaire. Uh, you, you won't be. You'll just get discount. Enter the code buck up. Click here. Enter the code buck up, and you will get your discount. It's well worth a go to build up your collection to get the things that you might not have got yet uh, or perhaps you know give it to your friend why not mm. well thank you for all your suggestions there Penchy. top job ran uh, as of now next week's podcast looks like this it's uh, out on the 26th of November uh, 11 chimes it's called because it features the 11th Doctor Chronicles Broken Hearts which is out on Tuesday the 28th of November and also the chimes which is out on Thursday the 30th of November, which is a very Christmassy story adapted from the little-known Charles Dickens story, and it's adapted by our very own Jonathan Morris. And this is a production that he produced, um, which is being, um, you know, for his own company, and it's being um, uh, released through Big Finish. Mm -hmm. That's rather, rather nice. In the meantime, it only remains for me to say this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me, Benji Clifford, and him, Nick Briggs. Nick also wrote, produced, and edited it. It's so true. And of course, Benji and I did this for For the love love of of stories. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, the 10th Doctor Chronicles, Defender of the Earth, The Thing in the Forest, by Trevor Baxendale, and starring Jacob Dudman. The quiet forest. No birds. Nothing stirring in the undergrowth. Just a long, eerie silence. Even the wind had dropped, leaving the air hanging cold and heavy. Ilse Johansson kept to the path, what there was of it, and tried not to make a sound as she moved. Progress was slow, and the last five miles had been torture. Her legs were beginning to cramp and her shoulder hurt where the rucksack straps dug into the flesh. Why can't there just be a path? This pack weighs a ton. What did Jakob put in it, for goodness sake? Using the narrow trail through the ferns was a risk. It was quicker than moving through the trees, there was also a greater chance of meeting a patrol. It always has to be the remotest spot, doesn't it? The forest disappeared into the distance all around her. Damp, dark, silent. The quietness was unnerving. The silence oppressive. It was like a physical thing. As though the whole forest, and maybe even the world beyond it, was holding its breath. 
All Ilsa could hear was the soft scuff of her boots in the mulch and her own breathing, both of which now seemed unnaturally loud. The urge to cough, to clear her throat, increased with every step. The air, reeking of moist, fecund dirt, thickened in her throat. Ilsa stopped, drawing deeply on the heavy air. As far as she could tell, she was completely alone. She scanned the forest around her. The binoculars were no good here. She took out her water bottle and unscrewed the cap. The water tasted tinny and warm and unnatural, and she nearly retched. Uh, Aha! Uh -huh. Right on time. Ilsa looked up. What she could see of the sky looked low and stony. No sign of an aircraft. But what she had heard could have been the last echo of a distant aero engine. That must be it. She checked her map and compass and pushed on, quickening her pace. She couldn't afford to be quiet now. Ilsa had to leave the path eventually. The coordinates she'd been given led her in a northeasterly direction, deeper into the forest. A primal instinct told her that this was the direction the noise had come from. Now, whenever she halted to check her bearings, the silence had returned. The quietness was now sepulchral. A twig snapped loudly under her foot and echoed around the Cathedral of Trees. Sorry. <gasps> Leaning out from behind the nearest tree trunk was a man, smiling brightly. Don't mind me, just passing through. He was tall and lean, with untidy hair and a crumpled pinstripe suit. No tie. That was your aeroplane, I heard. Um, no, no, I, I don't think so. I didn't hear you come down. Well, you wouldn't. Probably. They said you were good. Did they? We should move away from the drop zone. There are patrols in this area and they may have heard something or seen your parachute. Parachute? You will have hidden it by now, I expect, but we must not stay here. It is too dangerous. Where are your weapons? Oh, up here, in my head, if I need them. Ilsa smiled, keen to show that she understood. British intelligence, I suppose. Very good joke. You could say that, yes. Who are you, by the way? You can call me Ilsa. What should I call you? The Doctor. You and your code names. Come on, this way, Doctor. We have much to do. <laughs> The doctor followed Ilsa as she moved away from the path and deeper into the forest. They'd been talking in normal conversational tones, which was a stupid thing to do. She had forgotten her most basic tradecraft and put them both in jeopardy. She tried to look cool-headed and in control, but her heart was thudding in her chest. Where are we going? Keep your voice down. Where are we going? What are we hiding from? It made sense that he was disorientated, Ilsa thought. There were few landmarks visible from this deep in the forest. We are ten kilometres east of Gerstad. She kept moving, but now she was keeping low, instinct taking over. The way this doctor had got so close before she even knew he was there had spooked her. I'll get you to our people in Sonbrö, and then it's over to you. They are at 
What is it the English say? The end of wits? Before he could respond, they heard voices. Men talking, barking orders at each other through the trees. Ilsa dropped into a crouch and pulled the doctor after her. Down! They're speaking German. They are German. Soldiers? No, tourists. What else were you expecting? Well, I was hoping for tourists. You know, backpackers. Nice picnic, maybe? I'll have a picnic. You English think you're so funny. I'm not English. Scottish, then. Irish, it is hard to tell. Your Norwegian is good. Now be quiet, very, very quiet. The soldiers were shouting orders, spreading out as part of an organised search. They were close enough to hear what was being said. I can understand what they're saying. They're looking for a British airman. Yes, you. Right, I see. Not good, Ilsa, not good. I think we may have a problem. Shh, they'll hear us. As a matter of interest, what year is this? What? That's not the correct code. Keep down. What year is this, Ilsa? 1942, of course. Abby? Oh, not really. World War Two. Well done, Doctor. You're mad. The German troopers were still shouting to each other across the forest, but with sudden purpose and urgency. They're onto us. Move! The doctor pulled Ilsa after him, threading away through a nearby copse. There was no time to argue. The soldiers must have found tracks or even, Ilsa thought, the doctor's parachute, if he hadn't hidden it well enough. Someone was blowing a whistle and shouting orders. The doctor led her down into a gully, hopping nimbly over roots and fallen branches. He was wearing soft-soled shoes and moved almost without sound. After a minute or two, the shouts of the soldiers grew more distant, but they pressed on, deeper into the undergrowth. We should be safe now. They dropped into a small culvert. He turned to help Ilsa down after him. I can manage, thank you. The doctor didn't respond. He stood perfectly still. A German trooper stared back at him. Hand a hock! Hand a hock! He was clutching a submachine gun, aiming at them, although there was fear in his eyes and his hands were shaking. He looked incredibly young. The doctor took one step towards him and grabbed the gun by its barrel, wrenching it quickly out of the boy's hands. Give me that! Nein! Bitte! Don't touch me! Trauger! Trauger! As the doctor removed the magazine from the gun and tossed both parts far into the undergrowth, Ilsa swept past him and grabbed the youth. Be quiet! Whoa! Leave him alone! He'll give us away! He's terrified! Look at him! He knows he's going to die. He was terrified before he even saw us, Ilsa. He was hiding. Where are you hiding from? He won't speak. Well, let go of him. Maybe that'll help, you never know. He'll call for help. Oh, I don't think he wants to call out to anyone. Look, he's shaking. He was hiding down here and he's terrified of being found. By us? Nah, not us. He was armed with an MP40 machine pistol. He could have cut us both in half with that. It's not us he's scared of. Then who? Or what? I don't understand. What could frighten an armed soldier like this? Did you hear what he was saying? Draugr. It's Old Norse for the undead. Yes, yes, I did. That's quite interesting, don't you think? Maybe he's mad. Shellshock. I don't think so. I've seen Shellshock before and this isn't it. What was that? That noise is not of this world. 
Maybe our new friend can tell us what it is. I doubt it. The soldier was still cowering against the bowl of the tree. His eyes were wide, checking all around the forest, to the side, behind them, up in the branches. Ilsa and the doctor seemed to be the least of his worries. He's frightened out of his mind, but he's not our friend. He is a German soldier. He is the enemy, Doctor. Yes, I know, and we're his enemy. He doesn't look too bothered about that, does he? There it is again. What is it? What is making that awful sound? I think we should move away from here. Sounds like it's getting closer, and I don't want to run into any more soldiers. Come on, help me get this lad to his feet. No! We cannot take him with us. He will slow us down, call out to his comrades. So what are you going to do? Kill him? I can't allow that, Ilsa. This is war, Doctor. I am a resistance fighter. I must kill him. They are my orders, and they should be yours as well. He can come with us. I am not taking prisoners. He's just a boy, Ilsa. So were my brothers when the Nazis broke down our door and killed them in front of Mama and me. I don't care that he's a boy. He's somebody's son. Somebody's brother, maybe. Listen. Hear that? More soldiers coming this way. We have to move. So he either comes with us, or you let him go. If I let him go, he will give away our position. They're already searching the forest for us. He won't be giving that much away, and if we go now, we can get a head start. Ilsa looked back at the boy soldier, torn. He was pale and sweating, trying to follow the discussion. It couldn't have been hard to work out that he was the subject of the conversation. And why? They've got dogs. We have to move quickly. It's now or never, Ilsa. In the moment that Ilsa was distracted, the soldier suddenly burst into life, pushing her aside and racing past the doctor. The youth bounded up the slope, scrambling through the undergrowth, as though his life depended on it. Perhaps it did. As Ilsa watched him go, the doctor grabbed her hand again and pulled her after him, in the opposite direction. Come on, allons-y! Suddenly and pointlessly speaking French was one of the least baffling things about this man, Ilsa thought. But then, perhaps being able to speak so many different languages made you like that. Ilsa only knew English and Norwegian because of her parents. She'd picked up a little German during the war. But the doctor seemed to speak all these languages like a native of everywhere. They ran again, deep into the forest, trying to put as many trees between them and the Germans as they could. After a while, she made the doctor stop and they checked her compass. After a moment's consideration, she took the lead and headed northeast once again. Presently, they came across a man hanging from a tree. A silk parachute was caught high in the branches, and the man hung limply beneath it in his harness. His boots were several feet above the forest floor. He's still breathing. Help me get him down. Ilsa cut away the parachute straps with her knife, and the doctor lowered the man to the floor. He must have come down earlier and got caught up in the tree. Well, the forest is not the best place to parachute into, is it? There are clearings. He must have been aiming for one of them and got blown off course. Or perhaps he was already unconscious as he came down and just drifted. Look. On his head. Nasty cut. As if he clipped it on the fuselage as he jumped. Probably had enough sense to pull the ripcord and then... Well, here we are. His pulse is good. Strong. He's going to be fine. Tough customers, these fellas. Check his water bottle. We need to see if we can get him up and about. Germans may have seen him come down. Let's see if we can give him something to drink. Ilsa? Who are you? I told you, I'm the doctor. I said, who are you? Really? 
put the gun away, Ilsa. I'm not stupid. This man here is the man I was supposed to meet. He's a British agent. If he'd been unconscious and blown off course, this is where he would have come down. I thought you were him. Ah, well, yes, I can see how that might have happened. But seriously, do I look like a British secret agent? Well, yes. Oh, really? How should I know? I promise you, Ilsa, I just happened to be in the wrong place at the right time. Or the right place in the wrong time. The TARDIS has been getting very erratic lately. Don't speak. It all makes sense now. This is why you were surprised to see me. This is why you didn't want me to kill the German soldier. You are one of them. No, 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 I'm not. Don't you just put the gun away. Let's talk about this. You're a Nazi spy. And you were sent to lead the patrols directly to me. I helped you escape from them. And I'll be doing it again in a minute if you don't get a move on. We need to help this man. He'll be okay, but he needs somewhere to recover properly. How can I trust you? Because I'm telling you the truth. And you won't get this man to safety on your own, will you? I can help, Ilsa. Ilsa didn't know what to think. But she could hear the distant bark of the dogs, which meant the soldiers were coming in this direction. He was right. She still needed his help, whoever he was. Ilsa kept the gun trained on the doctor. He looked at her, his eyes huge and brown and sad. She had to guard against that look. She jerked the barrel of the gun. Pick him up. It'll be easier if we both do it. Just get on with it. The doctor hooked his arms under the airman's shoulders and hoisted him up with some effort. The man seemed to be coming around, although he was too groggy to speak. Big finish for the love of stories.